you for singing. Please be seated. And the boys and girls and those involved in children's church may be dismissed at this time. I want to remind you, in case you haven't seen them, there are some handouts at the back. There's a stand back there with those. There's also some uh, children's worksheets for some of the older boys and girls who uh, might want to have something to help them follow along with. Or if uh, you're a visual learner and you want to follow along with that too, uh, that's perfectly acceptable. Have you ever walked alone at night? Ever been out in the dark? Had to wonder what's out there. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you've gone camping and you're alone at night. Or maybe you're a, a walker or a cyclist or, or something like that, a runner. And you've gone out in the dark late at night, early in the morning. Can kind of be a creepy experience. I know my wife has done a lot of running early in the morning. And not so much this time of year because it gets light earlier, but uh, in some of the winter time, she'll go out and it's dark and she always brings a flashlight and uh, a fluorescent vest. Usually she takes our black lab chip with us uh, and she goes out in the dark running and she doesn't really like to be alone in the dark, but I, I guess she likes running more than that. When I was growing up, we used to do a lot of camping. That was our annual family vacation. We would go to campgrounds and campsites. And I remember the experience of, as a child, getting up at night, having to use the restroom. And if you've ever been to one of those type of campgrounds, you know, you have to walk to the restroom. And I remember walking and it was dark and the campground was quiet and trying to find this path with my flashlight and shining it in the woods because I, I would think something was there. And this, this experience of not liking to be alone was only heightened when at times I would hear something, a critter, getting into our camp stuff, usually a raccoon. And I would go out and look and had this vision of the, this life-size raccoon about ready to eat me. Then I remember as, a, as an adult going to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota and tent camping in Custer State Park and hearing noises and wondering if there was a gigantic buffalo right next to my tent and kind of looking out, what, what is there? Sometimes we don't really like to be alone. It can be an eerie or unsettling feeling. Maybe we get afraid. Maybe we lose confidence. We just want the assurance that someone is with us and we're not really alone. Sometimes this type of fear can grip our spiritual lives. When it comes to fulfilling Christ's commission to go out and make disciples, or as we're talking about it in our sermon series, to step out of our comfort zone and step into the life of someone else. Maybe for you, it's difficult. You feel like you don't know how. Or you feel like you don't have the support that you need or you are the only one who has a desire to, to do this. Perhaps you're nervous or afraid. Maybe the negative self-talk kind of creeps into your life and you hear that phrase, I, I can't, I can't do it. All kinds of similar feelings can come to our mind when we desire to engage in what God wants us to do when we, when we try to make disciples. 
And if you've ever felt this feeling of being alone, when it comes to stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping into the life of other believers, then our passage for this morning is for you. Because it teaches us that we're never alone when we follow God's plan in making disciples. We never have to do it alone. We never have to do what God expects of us by ourselves. Our passage teaches us that Christ promises his enabling presence to go with us and to be with us when we do what he wants us to do and accomplish his mission. And so as we look at our passage today in Matthew chapter 28, there's just one idea I want you to remember this morning. Very simply this, you're never alone in making disciples. You're never alone in making disciples. Why don't we go ahead and read our passage out loud together. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I have some words on the screen uh, for you. You can read with me. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we begin to unfold and unpack this text this morning, let's remind ourselves of where we've been the past few weeks. Two times ago, we looked at verse 18. And we saw where Christ claims all authority and says, all authority is given unto him. And based on his authority, he commissions us as his followers to go out and make disciples. And we learn based on that text that we have everything we need to follow Christ's call in our lives. Last week, we looked at what this mission that we call the Great Commission, we looked at what it entails. And we saw that we are all to be involved in this process of being around people, going and building relationships and helping people in their walk of faith. This morning, we see how that Jesus gives the comfort of his presence in verse 20, you can see it on the screen in front of you as well as your copy of the scriptures. He simply says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have the authority, or Christ has the authority that he, on which he commissions us. We're given the means of accomplishing the mission. And now we're giving the comfort of Christ's presence with us to fulfill our mission. Let's talk about that verse for a moment. Notice that word, low. Low, I am with you always. Seems like a simple, small word. We might be tempted to gloss over it. It's the word for behold. Look. See. Pay attention. I want you to get this. I am with you always. What an incredible truth. As we go out to do our mission from Christ to make disciples, he says, don't worry. Pay attention to this. Behold, I will be with you. That's the next part of the verse. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is not going to leave us. He gives us this mission. 
We call it the Great Commission. And he gives us, along with that, the comfort of his presence. I will be with you. Isn't this really why Jesus came? To be with us? Isn't that a part of his mission on earth? I love how Matthew, in, in the book of Matthew, how he describes Christ's mission and he bookends the beginning and the end of Matthew with this concept, this idea of Jesus being with us. You can flip back to Matthew 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. A quote from the Old Testament. And now here at the very end of Matthew 28, he says essentially the same thing. I will be with you always. Matthew opens and and closes his gospel with the, the incredible promise of God's presence. What a blessing. Now, if you're thinking through this, the obvious question that we come up with is in what sense is Jesus with us today? And he says right here, I will be with you always. What does he mean by that? I mean, we certainly don't don't see him here with us physically. We know that right after he said this, he went up to heaven. So I think a good question for us to ask is, in what sense is Jesus with us today? I'd like to spend most of our time on this question and use Matthew 28 as a springboard text to go to some other passages that kind of answer that question for us. What sense is Jesus with us today? The, the, the short answer, the quick answer, if you're just looking for the, you know, the, 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 the short one, the quick answer is he's with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that needs a little bit of explanation, doesn't it? What does that look like? What, what does that even mean? And so I'd like to jump over to another passage that helps us fill in the details a little bit more from John chapter 14. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning answering the question, what sense is Jesus with us today? And so if you're in John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 16 through 26. John 14, 16 through 26 to help us answer this question. Here's what Christ says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who, was my, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you were going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. 
and he will come, we will come to him and make our abode with him. But he who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things have I spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. As we look at John 14 this morning as kind of our base text for understanding and applying what we read in Matthew 28, I think we see this morning three Trinitarian provisions for followers of Jesus. Three Trinitarian provisions for followers of Jesus. Number one, God the Son requests help for Jesus' followers. God the Son requests help for Jesus' followers. Notice that I'm using this phrase, Jesus' followers, and I'm talking about that this morning as kind of a, a word for disciples of Jesus. God the Father requests help for those who would be followers of Jesus. Now, before we get too deep in here, we, we need to kind of explain away or explain in, in some detail this idea of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because it's right here in this text, and we can spend a whole sermon on it this morning, and we're not going to do that, but I do want to acknowledge that Christianity or Bible, uh, biblical orthodoxy is based on the idea of God as a trinity, a triune God. He is three distinct, unique persons that make together one unified being. We can take time and unpack that a little more, but we're not going to do that this morning. And at some point, we'll get to a point where we would say, I can't even explain it any further. I just have to believe it. But let me talk about a little bit about what this means. Orthodox Trinitarianism, I have a, a picture up there. Uh, it's called the scutum fide, or the shield of faith. And it is a way that men through church history have described what we call the Trinity, the triune aspect of God. That God is three persons that are distinct. They're not just modes of being, whereas he's the Father on Monday and the Son on Tuesday and the Spirit on Wednesday. He's all three at once making up one essence. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. This is what we are talking about this morning when we talk about the Trinity, the three-in-oneness, the uh, tri-nature of God, three persons, one essence. And notice with me in our text this morning that it starts out by God the Father, or God the Son, requesting the help from Jesus for Jesus' followers. Now, as I keep going here, I have to laugh at myself because I jinxed myself talking about how if my laptop ever fails, I'm going to have to have Kathy lead us in a song and go print out my notes. Well, it just crashed, but I think we're back. Maybe not. It's not loading. 
It's okay. Do it the old-fashioned way. Now notice there's this connection between God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We call it the Trinity. And notice what Jesus asked of his Father here. He says, I will ask the Father. He's concerned. He has this concern here about his followers. What will happen to my followers when I leave? Will they remain faithful? Will they stay in the truth? Or will they desert me? And so Jesus asked his, his father to send help. And we can kind of understand that. Those of you who are dads, we kind of understand that. When our kids request something of us, and it's a reasonable request, we like to help, right? We like to give them our attention. We like to do what they need us to do. In our house, it usually falls in the, the realm of broken toy. Daddy, can you glue it? I, I, I tell people I invest my retirement in uh, super glue because we order large quantities of it to fix this and that and the other thing. But we can understand from an earthly perspective that when our, our children ask something of us, we, we like to respond. We like to give them what they want if it's a reasonable request. And we see this happening in our text this morning. Jesus recognized a problem. He was going to leave. What would happen to his followers in their absence? In his absence. And so he solved the problem of Jesus being away by asking the Father to send someone as a replacement as his representative. I want you to think about this for a moment, because this is truly a marvelous concept for us. Put, put yourself in this text this morning. What an incredible thought. Put yourself here. I will ask the Father, and he will give Larry Uch another helper. I will ask the Father and he will give Lisa Lemke another helper. I will ask the Father and he will give Dave Rosenberg a helper. I will ask the Father and he will give Keith Kluver a helper. What an incredible thought. I mean, put, put yourself in here. 2,000 years ago, God knew. God knew you were going to struggle God knew you wouldn't be able to do your spiritual life on your own. And what did he say? Oh, forget them. No. He recognized it and he said, I will send them another helper. Our text this morning reminds us that this mind-blowing reality that Jesus asked his father to give us help in our spiritual lives. What an incredible blessing. Amen? Amen? I mean, it makes me want to shout hallelujah. And it reminds us the big idea that we have for this morning. Oops, I forgot. Boys and girls, you can draw a picture of Jesus explaining this. There's my picture. Sorry, it's not great. But it reminds us that we are never alone in making disciples. Jesus gives us this mission, Matthew 28. He says, I will be with you always. John 14, a kind of parallel text. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper. 
You're never alone. Never alone in making disciples. Let's go back to our text in John 14 and we find our second Trinitarian provision. Remember we talked about the Trinity and the members of the Trinity involved in this. First of all, we saw that God the Son requests help from the Father. Now we see God the Father sends help for Jesus' followers. He sends help. Jesus requests it, but we see the Father actually does. He responds in action. There's a lot of call in our world today for action over various things. A lot of call for action over world hunger or uh, food shortages or clean water or even in our country, things like border issues. There's call for action, something to do. And when, when there's a call for action, there's really only two choices, right? You're going to do something or you're not going to do something. And Jesus gives his father a call to action. Aren't you glad that God responds? Aren't you glad that God does something? God the Father sends help for Jesus' followers. I'm glad that God is a God of action. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about that in our world today, aren't there? There's a lot of people who think that God just kind of sits up in the clouds with the, the angels and maybe he's sitting there, uh, and I'm not trying to be irreverent here, but he's eating popcorn on the edge of his seat, looking down, waiting to see what happens. Aren't you glad that our God isn't like that? And if that's your worldview of God, that he's just kind of distant and far off and uninvolved in our world today, that's a wrong view of God. It's not in the Bible, and we see in our text that Jesus gives this request to God, and God does something. Look at what Jesus says. He will give you another helper. Two key words here to think about. Boys and girls, you can draw a picture of a Bible story where God did something. Probably can't tell because of my poor artistic abilities, but that's supposed to be Joseph's brothers throwing him in the pit. And if you remember the story, God did something. That was God's call to action. In our passage today, we, we learn that Jesus says, God will send another helper. Well, this implies that there already is one, right? So who is the one in the context of that passage? It's Jesus. He's standing right there. But remember the story. He's about ready to go. He's going to leave. And he says, I will send you another helper. What, is, what does this mean? This means that the Holy Spirit is his replacement. And we find in our passage, there's such a unique tie between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that Jesus just says, he will be in you just as we are in you. And we, we will all be kind of together. How do you even explain that? I had six years of seminary. I'm not sure I can. But we need to believe it. He's another, but he's also the helper. Helper. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a helper. I want you to think with me for a moment. Think very carefully before you answer this question. Do you need help in your spiritual life? Do you need help in your spiritual life? Anyone here think they have it all together? Have it all figured out? Raise your hand. Come up here. I want you to instruct us. We need help in our spiritual lives. We live in a world today where people don't like to admit when they need help, right? 
We like to have this appearance, this facade of having it all together. And in maybe part of this is our American culture. We uh, raise up this idea of American individualism and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and I can do it all myself. I'm, you know, I'm a red-blooded American or, or whatever. But if we truly think about it, and if we're truly honest with ourselves and with others, we took an honest look at our spiritual lives and came away with a truthful response. I think we would acknowledge that we need help in our spiritual lives. We can't do it on our own. We need help. We struggle. We need support. And in our passage today, we find that Jesus, through his Father, sends us another helper. It's interesting, that word for helper, you might be familiar with the Greek word here, parakletos, or paraclete, as it's often transliterated. The root, the root form here is actually a multifunction word that's used throughout the scriptures. It's not just used in reference to the Holy Spirit, though it is here in this text and other places as well. But it's a multifunction word that has many meanings. It could mean a comforter, a helper a supporter, an intercessor. Very literally, it could mean someone who comes alongside. You ever need someone to come alongside you in your spiritual life? I know I do. And if you ever feel alone, if you ever feel like you're doing your spiritual life all alone, it's difficult, you don't have help, you have no one to support you, it's not true. It's not true because our text here reminds us that we can believe the truth of this text that we have the comforter. We have the paraclete. We have another helper, the representative and replacement of Jesus Christ that Christ sent to be our helper. So what does this mean for us when it comes to making disciples? Very simply, you're never alone. You're never alone in making disciples. Let's keep going through our text this morning. We go back to our passage in John chapter 14. And we learn that God the Son requests help for Jesus' followers. God the Father sends help for Jesus' followers. And finally, here's the third part. The third Trinitarian provision. God the Spirit supplies help for Jesus' followers. Notice there are all three involved here. You ever think about that? The triune God cares so much about his creatures that all three persons in his Godhead would be involved in helping us through our spiritual life. Isn't that mind-blowing? I know it is for me. But notice that God the Spirit supplies help for Jesus' followers. And notice from our text a few facets of the Spirit's ministry that Christ describes when he describes him as the helper. Boys and girls, you can draw what it might have looked like for the disciples to receive the Spirit. We know from Acts that they had cloven tongues of fire on their head. This might be a, a facsimile, a facsimile uh, maybe not. Um, but notice from our text that Jesus calls him the Spirit of Truth. Verse 17. He's marked by truth. This means he brings truth. He helps us to see and know truth. Well, what does that mean for us very practically? You ever go to do something? Something you know you shouldn't do? A sin? You know, something that is not a wise decision. And, and you do that thing and all of a sudden something comes in your heart. 
and you were like, oh man, I should have done that. Why did I do that? Where do you think that comes from? The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. And if you are a believer in Jesus today, you, you have that. In fact, I think that's one of perhaps the most tangible evidences that we are a true believer in Jesus. I don't know if you're here and you've ever struggled with your salvation. You go through life and you wonder, am I really saved? Did, did I really say the right words when I prayed that sinner's prayer when I was five years old? Did I really mean it when I keep sinning? Would God really accept me if, if I'm struggling in this or, or that way? Well, let me ask you, do you experience conviction of sin? Do you do something you know is wrong and then you say, oh man, I should have done that? Where does that come from? That doesn't come from Satan. That comes from God. That, that, that's what our passage is talking about right here. Marked by truth. And so if you're here today and you've been struggling, and sometimes people can struggle for a long time. Am I really saved? How can I be saved if I keep sinning? How do I know that I really meant it? Do you have the spirit of truth? Does he bring these things to you? Notice also that in our text, this is a unique ministry for believers marked by the indwelling presence of Jesus. He is the, the representative of Jesus in our text this morning. It says, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him and he abides with you and will be in you. So this is a unique ministry for believers and it is the indwelling, it says he abides in you. He abides with you and will be in you. There's something unique here. We know from John 16 that the Holy Spirit is in the world, convincing men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But there's something added to that in our text this morning. He lives inside of us. Something only believers can experience and I briefly point out that this isn't something that Jesus says happens to some. Some of you will get this and you'll be marked by some miraculous things, speaking in tongues or whatever. But not everyone will have this. It's only for the spiritual elite. There's some churches that teach that. Get to that higher plane in your spiritual life and then you'll have the spirit. No, it's not what Jesus says. He just says very simply, he's with you and he'll be in you. And notice the implication here. He's not going to leave. We got some eternal security right here in our passage. Verse 18. We find that he's the representative of Jesus. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you through the Spirit. I will. I will not. Notice the, the, the definitiveness of this. There are churches out there that teach that you have it one day, you might not have it the next. And it's up to you to maintain it and to keep the Holy Spirit. And if you live in sin long enough, it's going to leave. You're going to lose your salvation. You have to go through this process again. But I don't see any of that in the text of Scripture here this morning. You? Holy Spirit comes as the representative of Jesus himself. And there's such a close connection that Jesus says it's as if I am here with you notice he says I will come to you 
through the Spirit. I will be with you through the Spirit. There's such a close connection. It's as if Jesus himself was living inside of us. Again, I don't know that I can explain that. Completely mind-blowing. He is with us through his spirit as our representative, his representative as our helper. And so we can say very clearly, we are never alone in making disciples. Notice with me in our verse, if we jump towards the end to verse 26 of John 14, we find some more truths about the ministry of the spirit. He's involved in teaching. He says he will teach you all things. There's a sense in which the spirit teaches us. We call this illumination. That's the technical 50 cent word for that. Illumination, Holy Spirit, helping us to see truth and helping us to understand and perceive things in our spiritual lives that we need to see. He also says he will be involved in reminding. He will remind you or bring you to remembrance of all things. Again, I think the most clear way this happens is when we sin. When we're not living right. And the Holy Spirit just, just comes and says, uh, that's not right. You, you, you ever have that? I remember one time uh, years ago in ministry, I was working through a, a really difficult church situation. And I found myself just thinking on it and thinking on it. And before I knew it, I was pacing around the room and back and forth, back and forth. And finally, the Holy Spirit just, just came and said, wait a minute. You're an anxious person right now. You really are an anxious person. And I had to confess that to the Lord. And I had to find a way to deal with that. Because the Spirit of Truth was teaching and reminding me that I needed to do something about how I was living this is how the Spirit works in our lives. And notice how this section in John 14 closes in verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. The Spirit's presence brings peace. It pushes out fear. Actually, this passage kind of ends similarly to Matthew 28, doesn't it? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But both end with the comforting nature of Christ's presence with us. So what does that mean for us? Well, from John 14, it means several different things. In fact, I put a, uh, a note, uh, some printouts on the back little stand out there. You have to grab one on your way out of some observations for what this means for us from John chapter 14. And you can take a look at that and let that be an encouragement to you that the triune God has made provision for us to not be alone, to help us in our spiritual life. And if you get that sheet, you'll see I pulled out 11 truths from John 14 about the Holy Spirit's ministry and not leaving us alone. But what does this look like going back to where we started this morning, Matthew 28? Well, it means that when Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, he means it. He's not bluffing. He's not giving us some, something to make us feel better and then he won't follow through. He is giving us, 
his Holy Spirit as his representative to help us fulfill our mission of making disciples. This means we're never alone. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to go to the clerk at a grocery store on our own. We don't have to invite someone over for coffee on our own. We don't have to start a Bible study with somebody to help them take the next steps in their spiritual walk on our own. Why? Because we have God's Holy Spirit as our comforter going with us, enabling us, helping us to be what we need to be. What more could he ask for? We're never alone in making disciples. Many times I think that though we have the presence and enablement of Jesus, we, we oftentimes don't use it. We don't forget. Or we forget. We don't live in light of the fact that, that we have it. And maybe sometimes we don't really tap into the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. I have an object lesson I want to share with you this morning. And as I prepare to share it, I realize I left it in my office, so I'm going to improvise. I have a microphone here. And this is something that even in my short two weeks on the music team, an interaction I've had with Charles is that he has to remind me to turn my microphone on. And I could be sitting there singing as loud as I wanted to, and if my microphone is not on, if it's not connected to, to the power, no one's going to hear it. It's going to be limited in what, we're going to do, what it's going to do. It's not going to do the intended purpose of what God has for us in worship and a microphone or something like that. But if I simply flip the switch and I turn it on, and I see that light's on, I know that when I use this microphone, it's going to do what it needs to do is going in this case is going to you know amplify me as I sing or whatever the case might be. But all it is is just a simple flip of a switch. And sometimes I think that's what we need in our spiritual lives when it comes to the power of Jesus and being connected to the one who says we will not be alone. Sometimes we just need a simple flip of the switch spiritually. We need to embrace the truth that we're never alone. We need to live in light of that. We need to relish that. And we need to tap into the, the presence that Jesus promises. And it might just be a simple flip of a switch. Where now we're not doing life and doing ministry on our own strength. Trying to make things happen. Trying to cause people to be saved or whatever the case might be. But now through a simple flip of the switch, we're tapping into the fact that Jesus goes with us. That we're never alone. That he's our helper. He's our comforter. When we feel like we can't do it, we have his strength. After all, wasn't it the Apostle Paul who said, in my weakness, he is strong? There's a lot of good songs written based off of those verses. So what's the takeaway for us this morning? Very simply, 
tap into that presence that Jesus promises for when you make, go to make disciples. Don't do it yourself. Remember, Jesus goes with you. Ask his help. Seek his guidance. Don't trust man's wisdom. Man's wisdom will always fail. Trust your helper. Trust your comforter. When you're struggling in your spiritual life, remember you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you. He'll see you through. And God can make a way when there seems to not be any way through whatever you're going through. I wonder, what would our church look like if we put this text into practice? What, what would our church, how would our church be different if we spent this coming week every single day relishing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I think we would be people more confident in our mission that Jesus has for us. Maybe we'd be more comfortable and working to complete it because we remember that we have the Holy Spirit who goes with us. And because the presence of the Holy Spirit enabling us, maybe we'd be more faithful. Maybe we would be more passionate and living life not on our own, but in connection with Him. Maybe... What we did this morning, the Lord's table observance wouldn't just be a monthly thing we do as a church, but it would be a daily thing that we rehearse ourselves uh, together with ourselves every day of our life. I wonder what would change in your life if you lived in constant memory of the Spirit going with you. Think about that this week. Can I ask our music team to come with us uh, and, and prepare to lead us in the song. And as they uh, make their way to the platform, we're going to close with prayer. Father God, we thank you for this passage. There's a lot of theology and doctrine and doctrine of the Holy Spirit here. It's deep stuff. And even in our human brains, we, we can't understand it. Because you are the incomprehensible one, and we are mere humans. But Father, we ask that you would give us understanding as much as possible. That we would walk out from these doors today, celebrating the presence of your Holy Spirit, who was given thousands of years ago, and upon our salvation has entered into our life, and We'll never leave. We have that hope. We have that promise that because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us as the representative that Jesus is with us. Reminded of the old hymn, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Truth of the matter is, he is. Father, help us to live that way. Help us to celebrate that. Help us to share that even this week as we go out to our jobs, to our homes, to the various things that we have in our lives. Help us, Father, to be ever mindful of your Spirit's presence within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.